Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, why don't you find your seats? That's right, Joel's excited. So good to see all of you here today. Um, we're going to start actually by passing out communion. Uh, Kip, you've got one under your seat there. So just pass it on down. Take one. Beautiful. So we're starting a new series today simply called David. Y'all have important things to say. I'll wait, I'll wait till you're done talking. We're starting a new series today called, guess what? David. Heard that somewhere before. Um, and we talk a lot about David in this church. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we do. And it's, it's interesting because David was not perfect. How many, how many of you know he's just a man like you and me? And, uh, but it's interesting because, you know, he was a murderer. I don't know of too many murderers in this church. He was an adulterer. You know, actually, we're all, we're all guilty of that according to Jesus. You know, anybody who's ever had hatred in their heart, who's ever had lust in their heart, you, you're a murderer and adulterer. So welcome to church. You can relate to David. It's great. But it's interesting. We, we talk about David because the heart of David is what's important. Jesus is actually coming back for the heart of David. In Revelation 22, the last book in the Bible, he says this. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I'm the bright and morning star. So here's Jesus saying, hey, I, I'm the source of David's heart. I created his heart. And I'm also the inheritance of his heart. I'm going to inherit that heart. That's the heartbeat that I'm coming back for. So that's why we talk about heart condition. That's why we talked about the heart of David, because it's, it's the heart that Jesus is coming back for. Amen? He's going to inherit that heart. And it's a heart that goes after Jesus with everything. Not 99%, but 110%. With reckless abandon. It's a heart that dances before the Lord. Remember that story of David where he just basically got naked and danced before the Lord. He didn't care what anybody thought. You know, you, you saw this morning these kids down here worshiping, didn't you? And you know what I know about your heart? You're longing to do that same thing. You are. The only thing keeping you back is the fear of man. True story. You're like, ooh, we got started off right today. Each and every one of you are longing to do what these kids are doing. That's the heart of David. But the thing that holds you back is fear, the fear of man. We all deal with it. The other thing that holds you back is accusation from your enemy, the devil. Psalm 89, uh, 3 to 4 says this, I heard the Lord say, my covenant has been made and I'm committed forever to my chosen one, David. I've made my oath and there will be sons of David forever. Hello? Sons that are kings through every generation. That's you. 
That's me. That's the heart of David. There will be this heart of David forever. But it's up to you whether you're going to step into a heart of Saul that was just lukewarm and God rejected him, or you're going to step into a heart of David. So over the remainder of 2021, we're going to take a look at different aspects of David's heart, who he was, and do we have that same heartbeat, a heart that's fully abandoned to Jesus. Did everybody get their communion? So we were actually going to wait to do this later in the message, but I heard the Spirit say, do it now. And it's interesting because the very first communion, the disciples had no idea what was going on, did they? They had no clue. But see this, a representation of Jesus' body and his blood, it breaks up the, the ground in our heart, the hardness of our heart. Because one, one of the worst mistakes Peter made was right after he took communion with Jesus. But this plowed the ground for his repentance. Jesus told him he would deny him. Judas was at that table, an accuser and a betrayer of Jesus. So many other disciples that we can relate to. So I think this is going to plow the ground for our hearts today. So why don't you peel back that first layer? This delicious wafer. Let's take this in remembrance of the body that was wounded for you. The body that was bruised for you, who took all of your punishment, and by his stripes you are healed. You can peel back that second layer. This represents the blood of Jesus. There's no more powerful substance than the blood of Jesus. It cleanses and washes away your sin. It makes you as white as snow. It was spilled for you. It was your blood that should have been shed, but he took your place. Let's drink this in remembrance to him. Why don't you stand up with me? Put your hand over your heart. Repeat this out loud after me. Jesus, plow this ground. Wreck me. Take the hardness away. Make this a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. I'm ready to receive your word. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You know, there's power in declaring, declaring something with your mouth, isn't there? We're going to do that a few times today. So I want to talk today about the shepherd's heart of David. The shepherd's heart. When we first find David, uh, we read about him in 1 Samuel. And God has just sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, who ended up being David. Because the first king of Israel, Saul, who had half a heart after God, uh, he had disobeyed the Lord. And so God rejected that heartbeat, and he told Samuel the prophet, I'm going to anoint another king. Now, it would, it would be years later, because David was just a boy, so it would be years later before David stepped into his full authority and anointing, which is a word for all of us here today. But that's what he told Samuel to do. And, and Samuel was obedient, and, and I love this. 1 Samuel 16, verses one, verse 1. 
The Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. That's a word. I've rejected him as the king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. I don't know what you're mourning for this morning in your life. And yes, there is a time for mourning. But it's time today, and I believe there's a significance about today. It's time to exchange mourning for something else. It's time to fill your flask with the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's time to take some steps and to go to Bethlehem. You do realize that thousands of years later in Bethlehem, a descendant of David, a man unlike David and had no sin whatsoever, a man that was fully man and fully God, who we just celebrated by taking communion, was born in Bethlehem. His name was Jesus. You see, the heart of David is the heart of Jesus. A heart created by Jesus and a heart redeemed by Jesus and a heart inherited by Jesus. And it's time, church, today to stop mourning. The the season of mourning, this is prophetic, over your life is done. It's time to fill your flask with oil. It's time to go to Bethlehem and meet with Jesus. And so Samuel obeys. He goes up to the house of Jesse. A few verses later, it says, So it happened when they had come, he looked at Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. And Samuel, in his flesh, in his, in his mind that we all have, he thought, surely this is the one. Surely this is the one that I'm supposed to anoint. He's tall, he's handsome, he's the firstborn. And the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees or as man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the, say it with me, the heart, the heart, the heart. That's why at Church 214 from the very beginning, and we will never stop, we always talk about the condition of our hearts because Jesus said, from your heart flows the kingdom. Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flow a few things in life? No. Out of it flows everything in life, everything. We always go back to heart condition. And so Samuel's flesh in his mind to the world, it looked like Eliab should be the one. And remember that name, Eliab, Jesse's oldest son. But he wasn't the one. Jesse's next son came forward and God tells Samuel, no, not this one. The next son, no. The next one, no. On down the list. And finally, they ran out of sons. Seven sons come before Samuel. And Samuel, I'm sure, is just like, God, what? Did I mishear you? What is going on? All resounding no's from the Lord. In verse 11, Samuel asks Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Because I did tell you to bring your whole family. And Jesse says, sheepishly, I imagine, well, there is the youngest. But he's out in the fields doing the minuscule job of watching sheep and goats. And Samuel says, send for him at once. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to sit down to eat until he arrives. Now let's think about this for a moment. The prophet of God comes to your town, your house, brings a cow to sacrifice at your house. This is a big, big, big deal. 
a sacrifice to the Lord at your house. This is not normal. This does not happen often. It, it actually says, the chapter before, it says, when Samuel arrived in Bethlehem, the elders came out to meet him, and they were trembling with fear because they didn't know what was about to happen. They might all have die. But Samuel says, no, I'm, I'm coming with good news. I'm coming to part. We're going to have a celebration. I'm bringing a calf to sacrifice at Jesse's house. This is a good thing. So wouldn't you think... Knowing all of that, that Jesse would have brought his youngest son, would have brought everybody. I'm sure there were servants. Everybody was at this party. And we know that there's other people that can watch the sheep because a chapter later, we read when David left to go to the battle, he left his sheep with a keeper of the sheep. So why would, not, why would Jesse not utilize that keeper in this instance when, when Samuel says, bring all of your sons? I'll tell you why. Years later, David wrote in the Psalms, in sin did my mother conceive me. See, many scholars believe that David was the product of an adulterous affair. And because of that sin, Jesse wanted to keep David hidden, out in the fields, tending the sheep. Literally, he put David out to pasture. Especially when the prophet of God comes by and says, bring all your sons, Jesse wants to keep that sin of his Hidden. See, David, I believe, was utterly rejected by his father. And this is a word for somebody this morning. You feel hidden. You feel lost. You feel like you're in the backwoods, just like David, just with the sheep, all alone. A nobody, a nothing, a reject, the product of sin. But here's what God does. I got good news for you this morning. He takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it. But you have to partner with that turning because you have choices to make. The turning is available, but the turning is your doing. The turning is your doing, and he's turning you around today. I believe that there's a significant, you're gonna mark this day in your hearts because this is the day where something shifted and turned for you because of what you chose that was already available for you. And I'll tell you what, we all have wounds, don't we? Childhood wounds, wounds from yesterday, wounds from this morning. Just like David, we can relate. You have wounds, I have wounds. You know, I really shouldn't be standing on this stage here today in Peoria, Illinois, except for some wounds. I love my parents so much. I, and they didn't mean to do this. They had great intentions, but I basically left my home in Canada at 15 years old. And I know they regret that. And I, I'm, I'm still dealing with some of those years. And I can relate to Joseph and I can relate to Daniel but thank God, I've, I've not allowed bitterness to enter my heart. I've had to deal with those wounds. See, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. But I had to choose to step into that. I can't imagine, and I love you, Mom and Dad, if you listen to this podcast, but I can't imagine letting my 15-year-old, my son turns 15 next month, 
I can't imagine letting him go to Russia, which is what I did for four months, and then basically not coming back home. That was not their intention. They had, they had incredible intentions. But see, God needed me to go to my own version of Egypt. And even though the enemy, I had many friends that were that same age, and, and they've, they're not following Jesus anymore. But even though the enemy meant that to take me out, he was actually setting me up. So what I could say like Joseph, the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Because I was meant to come to Peoria, Illinois, to be replanted here, to help start a church here, to spread the kingdom of God here, to create a family called Church 214. I shouldn't be preaching. I mean, I, I grew up, my, my grandparents were missionaries on one side of the family. My other grandpa was a, was a preacher. My, my, my grandma on my dad's side was such a strong woman of faith. And I get, I'm so grateful for what their voice has poured into my heart. Because I can see all four attributes of my grandparents in my life. But growing up, my brother, I was very shy. I was very uh, introverted. So I was very content doing the, the behind-the-scenes things. My brother was the exact opposite. Outgoing, well-spoken. My greatest fear growing up was public speaking. My greatest fear. I'm serious. I would have gone to the dentist, had him pull every tooth in my mouth versus, versus speaking publicly. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And so I hear it for years, and I would, I would agree with them. For years, I heard my grandma and my mom say to my brother, oh, man, one day, Tim, you're going to be a pastor. And looking in that circumstance, I, I completely agree. But so much so, and they didn't mean to wound me in that. I, I didn't even realize I was wounded because I never believed that of myself. I just thought, oh, I'm meant for like a back corner thing. I'm meant for the backwoods. I'm meant to just take care of the sheep. But there's so much value in taking care of the sheep because that's where the shepherd's heart is. And what the enemy means for isolation, God can use for solitude with him as you understand and learn the shepherd's heart. But you, again, you have to choose. You can stay in isolation and be wounded, or you can step out of that and, and choose the circumstance you're surrounded with and hear the voice of the Lord. And just like David, learn to become a psalmist and a prophet and a warrior and a shepherd, all in the backwoods of the pasture. See, God deals in the backwoods. He likes to start in the insignificant places. And he takes wounds, if we allow them, and he makes weapons out of those wounds. See, there's two responses that we can have to wounds in our life. And Hebrews 12 lays out the two choices for us. Hebrews 12:1, you know this verse. As for us, we've all had these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Here it is. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path that God's already marked out for us. See, there's a path he's already got marked out for us. The only question is, are you going to step into it? And the only way you can step into it is letting go of the wounds. It's not a matter of, if you're going to be wounded, you're, you're wounded. 
Every single person in the sound of my voice today has been wounded. The only question is, are you going to let go? Let go. Let go of the wounds that trip you so easily up. That's the first option. The second option is 15 verses later. Same chapter, Hebrews 12. It says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness. Sounds so ugly, right? Not, nobody has bitterness in here. You know, bitterness comes from just a little wound. Then it grows and festers. Make sure no one lives with the root of bitterness sprouting where? Within them. It starts in your heart. Either path starts in your heart, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of just you? Just you? No. Bitterness poisons the heart of everyone around you. So your wounds can either become your weapons or they can wreck your life. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Let's continue with David's story. He spent so much time in the backwoods, which he used for the purposes of God with, with the sheep learning to become a shepherd. His wound was developed into these weapons where he learned to listen to the Lord, where he learned to protect and care for his sheep, where he learned to sing and write songs, where he learned to prophesy, where he learned to war as he fought with bears and lions and defeated them. He used what the enemy meant for evil, and he turned it. He turned his wounds into a weapon. See, everything that David's heart became and everything that you'll hear about David from now until the end of the year in this series started in the backwoods, started in obscurity, began with when the enemy meant to isolate him. And somehow, somehow, and I'm sure he wrestled with it, but somehow he didn't choose bitterness. I'm sure there were moments. I mean, imagine being rejected by your father. So much so that you're not even invited when the prophet comes. You're just that boy in the backwoods, the product of sin. But somehow in his wrestling with the Lord, he developed this heart of a shepherd, and that's what we're working towards today. He didn't give way to bitterness because he did the Hebrews 12:1 verse. He let go of the wounds, and it didn't trip him up. He wasn't perfect. He had some major sins later on in his life, but that heart condition that he developed enabled him to be called out in his sins and easily turn back to God. God literally plucked David out of the backwoods. Now one day, and I'm going to have Alex Gray come up and paint for us as we kind of finish out this, this uh, message today. And I just want your heart to take in what he's painting. Take in, there's a lot of different ways to worship. But I want your heart to take in and soften it as he's painting and worshiping. And I just want you to imagine yourself in the backwoods. I think you can do that. I want you to imagine yourself and, and think about the wounds that maybe you haven't identified before as he, can, as he paints for us for the rest of the service here. So one day, Jesse calls for David and he sends him to the battle where his brothers were. You guys know this story, but I think you're going to see something fresh in this story that you've never seen before. That's my, that's my hope today. And so it says, David got up early in the morning and he left his flock with a keeper. There it is. 
See, there's somebody available for the sheep. He picked up the provisions and went just as David, as Jesse had directed him. I love David's obedience. He's so wounded, I believe, by his dad. But his dad is his authority and says, go take this to your brothers. And immediately he does it. But he doesn't forget about the sheep. He puts a keeper in charge of the sheep. That's the shepherd's heart. And David comes to the encampment as the army was going out into battle formation and shouting the battle cry. Now, it's here that David first encounters the voice of Goliath. And immediately, David's heart reacts to this accusing champion of the Philistines that's shouting in the valley, taunting the Israelites. And the Israelites, if you remember, were all frozen in fear. None of them wanted to engage with this accusing voice. And as soon as David approaches the battle, he hears this voice. He's like, that's wrong. Why is somebody not taking care of this? He's, he's accusing us. He's taunting. He's defying the name of our living God. Who's going to do something about this? And at that moment, his brother Eliab re-enters the scene. His, his brother Eliab, he's out in battle. And Eliab hears what David's saying. And Eliab says this. Eliab heard what, what uh, David was saying, and his anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Can you, can you sense the scorn? I know your presumption, your overconfidence, David, and the evil of your heart. For you've just come down in order to see the battle. You can see the family tension here. You can see the wounds. And it's amazing to me, I think a lot of our hearts in that moment would have just been tempted to drop off the bread and the cheese and walk back home. That voice of accusation. I know your heart. That's, what, that's the enemy speaking. That's the spirit of Eliab. I know your heart. I know what's in there. I know why you're here. But somehow the heart of the shepherd, the heart of David, he was able to overcome that. And he walks past his brother further into the camp. He had to walk past the voice of the accuser, didn't he? Even when it was coming from his family. And then David, remember, he volunteers. No one else was willing to fight Goliath. So David's like, okay, I'll fight him. And King Saul is like, well, wear this armor at least. And that was a whole thing. David tried on the armor. It didn't fit well. He's like, I, I can't do this. I, I've got to do what I've been trained to do. I'm from the backwoods. I, I can't wear all this fancy armor. I've got a weapon already. I've, I've fought lions and bears and I've won. I love the confident heart of David. It wasn't prideful, but it was confident. And he ends up going to battle with the weapons he'd always knew, with the weapons he had always used in the backwoods, a sling and a stone. 1 Samuel 17, 40 says this, then he took his shepherd's staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones out of the stream bed. And he put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, that is, in his shepherd's pouch. And with his sling in hand, he approached the giant. Here's the thing. Listen to me very carefully. There are stones in your life, in my life. There are places of hardness in your heart. They might be tiny pebbles, 
might be a big boulder. And those wounds are rock hard. And only you can choose to pick them out of the stream. Only you can choose to identify those hard stones in your life. David chose for himself five smooth stones. Nobody else can identify the wound for you. You have to identify the wound. You have to bend down with that river of the Holy Spirit flowing over, identifying those stones for you. Sometimes you don't even, you might not even remember. There's things, I think, in our past that we've just shut the door to that the Holy Spirit needs to reveal to us that are the key to bringing down giants. And so right now, I would just ask you to press into the Holy Spirit to identify some stones that are in your heart. Remember, bitterness doesn't start off like this big giant thing. It's just a small root. It's just a small wound. It's a tiny pebble. But it grows into a heavy, heavy boulder. And you wonder why you're not defeating giants in your life. I think some of us have carried these stones around for so long that we don't even realize that they're weighing us down. They've become a part of you. So familiar that you don't even recognize the hardness on your own face that's coming from your heart. David put a stone in the sling and he swung the sling around by its straps. And when he let go, the stone flew out, hit Goliath in the forehead, cracked his skull, and fell face down on the ground. You see what killed Goliath? Small stone. When he let go, when he released. So I think there's all of us in here today, we've been blaming somebody else for the stone that you carry around. But only you can identify that stone through the Holy Spirit's help and only you can choose to release your grip on that stone, to let it go. Only you control your heart condition. Only you are responsible for your heart. See, the secret of bringing giants down is in the release of the stone. It's in your heart. You've been thinking it was a giant all along and you carry the power to take the giant down but you have to let go. You have to release. And when he let go, the stone flew out, hit Goliath right in the forehead, cracked his skull, praise God, and that big boy fell down dead on the ground. When he let go. There's giants in your life. There's giants in my life. Some of these giants you've been battling for a really long time. You've been frozen in fear like the Israelites. And this giant has been taunting you. He has been mocking you. He's been mocking the name of God on your life. 
and the secret to your winning is right in your hand. But will you have enough grace to release your hand and let that stone fly? Or do you just want to hold on to that stone and have your pity party? I know the wound is real. It's real. You have every earthly right to hang on to those stones. Every earthly right. But you have every heavenly right to release them, to let it go. Because your bitterness is breaking you and you're calling it a cute wounded name. Your bitterness is destroying you. Your jealousy, your envy, it is destroying your heart. Jesus sees your wounds. He actually, he died for your wounds. By your wounds, by his wounds, you're actually healed. If you release and let go. See, the giant dies. This is, this is for us. This is huge. The di giant dies when you let go. The strongholds fall down when you release your grip on the stone. The Bible is very, very clear that Satan is allowed a stronghold, which is an operating base in your life, in your heart. When you give way to anger or bitterness, that creates a giant who taunts you, who creates fear in your life, who intimidates you. And the key to victory is in your hand. The only question is, are you gonna let go? Are you gonna release? There's pieces of stone and yeah, they might be really small. They start out really small in your heart, but you allow one little piece in there and it grows and it grows and it grows and all of a sudden you don't even realize how hard your heart is, how stony your mind is. Bitterness doesn't start off ugly, it just starts with a wound which becomes an offense. Then it builds into anger and bitterness. And then unknowingly, this is how clever the enemy is, unknowingly, you've built an operating camp for Satan in your own soul. And you wonder why the giant is screaming at you. You've done it to yourself. The giant dies when you let go. The stronghold falls when you release your grip on the stone. I just invite you to continue asking the Holy Spirit to identify the stones in your brook. Let his water wash over your life. Maybe some offenses or stones from your childhood, some wounds. Maybe it's a pebble from yesterday. David chose five stones. He only released one that day. This is a continual process of release. But I believe the Holy Spirit has at least one stone that each of us need to release today. 
What's your stone? Pick it up from the brook. Only you can choose to pick it up. See, the heart of David is developed in the secret place. The place of your greatest wounds can either wreck you or they will become your greatest weapon if you release the stone. See, if you want to become a shepherd, you first must become a lamb to release, to give up control. Sheep are completely clueless. On their own, they will get lost. (laughs) But if you want to become like the great shepherd, you have to do what he did and become the lamb. That's what he did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus becomes the great shepherd by becoming the lamb of God, by literally giving up control, saying, not my will, Father, but yours. Not what in in my humanity I want to do, God, but your will be done. I'm giving up control. I'm becoming the lamb. He released control. That's why John in Revelation, he could look at the throne and see a lamb that was slain. And he starts weeping. And then a moment later, the elder says, don't weep, look again. And he turns and he sees the lion of the tribe of Judah. We have to release control. That's how Jesus did it. Lamb becomes the lion. If you want to become a shepherd, you must first become a lamb. Hebrews Hebrews 12.1, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then, then, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path that he has already marked out for you. There is a path already marked out for you. The thing holding you back is your release. You can hang on to the stone or you can release the stone. Maybe you don't even know where the wound started and the Holy Spirit can help you identify the root but your jaw has been clenched for years. There's hard stones in your heart and maybe you've pushed it down so deep you can't even see the root. So I pray Jesus in this moment, just reveal the wounds, the stony places that we've even buried, that the enemy is operating from. Let this let the rise to the surface, let those the water of your Holy Spirit just wash over parts so that we can clearly see those stones so that we can choose to pick them up so that we can choose to release them so whatever that wound is whatever that rock is whatever that stone is pick it right pick it up right now name it and hold that in your hand 
get ready to release that stone. Look at that giant full in the face and release that stone with all of your might. Let it go. Let that wound go. Jesus, I pray as these stones are being released, that hands would become open because it's not over yet. When you've released your stone, your hand becomes open, you're ready to receive something else. This process is called repentance. It's a turning, it's a release, it's a letting go. Because here's the thing, when you've released the stone, you now have authority to wield a sword in your hand. Let me say that again. When you've released the stone, when you've let go, you now have authority to carry a sword. Check this out. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. So he ran and stood over the Philistine, grabbed Goliath's sword and drew it out of its shield and killed him and cut off his head with it. (laughs) When the Philistines saw their mighty champion was dead, they ran away. See, when your heart is no longer holding a stone, then you have the ability to brandish a sword, the sword that was actually meant to kill you, to take you out. The enemy's sword is now your sword. How good is that? But it's all about the release. You can't carry a sword when your hand is gripping a wound, when your hand is gripping the stone. What the enemy meant for evil, your wound, your bitterness, the thing that was actually meant to kill you is actually the thing that Jesus will use in your hands to defeat the enemy. You're exchanging a stone for a sword. And it's only our closed hearts and clenched hands that hold us back from receiving everything that the Father has for us. You're doing it to yourself. I'm doing it to myself. If we're not holding the sword, we're probably gripping a stone that's holding us back from the path marked out for us. This is repentance. This is a daily heart condition that we need to get into. This is the heart of David. It's, it's the great exchange. It's releasing the rock so that you can receive the reward. Why don't you stand up? I'm gonna invite you to the altar this morning to open your hands and and, uh, release your heart. Just start stepping. So you can can either stand um, like the Israelites in fear of the giant that's in your life, or you can step forward like David and release the stone. There's nothing nothing magical about coming up front, but what it does is I've, I've found that when your feet move, your heart move. Your heart moves. David bent down and he picked up a stone. He had to choose. You have to choose your movement in this moment. 
No one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to change the condition of your heart. You might have the tiniest of pebbles or you might have a huge boulder. It doesn't matter. It all needs to be rooted out. I believe the Lord is, is, is releasing something today as you release your stone against the giant. He's releasing something amazing. He's exchanging it. He's bringing a lot of freedom and a lot of joy in this moment here. And it's up to you if you want to step into it. I want you to hold those stones in your grip right now. Maybe it's another stone. Maybe it's two stones. Maybe it's a whole sack full of stones. And I just want you to release it towards the giant. Just open up your hands in this moment. Get ready to, to drop the stone. Drop the rock. Release. Only you can control your heart condition. Only you can choose the heart of David. This is the great exchange, my friend. And there may be an action step that you need to take after this. You might need to call somebody. You might need to um, text somebody. You probably need to meet somebody face to face. And the only thing you can do is control your heart. Sometimes people that you need to forgive, they're not willing to meet face to face. You just keep releasing in your heart because there will come a day that they are. There will come a day that they're willing to meet face to face. And you pray for that moment. But you keep releasing your rocks. And you'll watch giants fall in your life. I would beg you, don't hold on to the thing that's going to trip you up. Don't hold on to the wounds that have prevented you from going down the path that God's marked out for you. That's tragic. Don't let your pride get in the way of releasing a stone that's going to bring you so much freedom, so much weight off of your heart. Don't do it. Step into what he has for you. Step into freedom. Step into his presence. Release the rocks in your life. Come now, reason. let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be white like wool. That's the heart of the shepherd, my friends. We exchange sorrow for joy. You're exchanging right now. You're exchanging a prison that you've put yourself in for freedom. I want you to start receiving what the Lord has for you, the swords that he's putting in your hand because you've released the stone. You're exchanging lust for love in this moment right now. You're exchanging heaviness, that stone of heaviness for praise. You're exchanging bitterness 
those small roots, the big giant tree that's growing in your heart, whatever it is, whatever size it is, you're rooting that out and you're releasing it. You're exchanging that for blessing. Father, we release our wounds. We receive our weapons in Jesus' name. We release that, that stone, God. We hurl it towards the giant that's defied us for too long. And we receive your sword. The sword that was meant to kill us is now the sword that we have authority with in our hands. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to do something. Every, every person in this place, I want you to declare this with me. As I mentioned before, there's power in declaration. There's power in what your mouth speaks over your heart. Just like David did with Goliath, when, when Goliath was taunting all of Israel, David said, no, 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 no. I'm coming against you by the power and name of my God. You don't get to say that over my life. So I want you to repeat this after me with open hands, open hands. I speak against every wound in my life. Say it like you mean it. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm exchanging for a weapon. I break every curse spoken over my heart. I receive the blessing of my father. I sever ties of any evil agreement. I break any assignment from the enemy. I receive instead the assignment of my father. I release the strongholds of anger, lust, jealousy, bitterness, envy, in Jesus' name. I let those stones go and I see Jericho walls fall. I receive the freedom of Jesus. I receive his presence. All dark forces must flee at the mention of his name. I re release my stone. I receive my sword. And all God's people said, Amen. come on, step into it.